that's a good excuse. And we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by the returning. She's an actor, model, wrestling personality, mother of 10, and the true original Gata, Monique Dupree. It's very cool to have you back. Hi, I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, it's a lot to talk about, but I know Shakespeare's shitstorm is, uh, it already <laughs> played at, at festivals, but it's eventually coming out, I believe, very soon. Yes, um, I believe so as well. And I, I think it's playing at another festival or somewhere this month in Philly. I saw in, um, yeah, I think in I March you're doing I got that, an yeah. email about it. They're, they're, yeah, it's been making the rounds. And, you know, I only really knew because I don't really get to keep up like I want to. And that's like one of the projects I'm most proud of, actually. But uh, I will get random messages where people are like, oh my God, I just saw you in Shakespeare Shitstorm. And I, I loved your character. First of all, I love that you were in a lot of the movie because normally I do cameos. And um, that took some doing, like to, to do that movie and learning fight choreography, uh, which is quite different from working in wrestling. And the, you know, Shakespearean, I'm, I'm not my brother. So like, I don't, that's not my thing at all, <laughs> at all. But uh, just everything that I had to, to do the prep and learn for that movie, I'm so, so proud of how it came out, um, especially, you know, Lloyd Kaufman fashion. Yeah. I love it. And I'm not just saying this because you're, I thought you were excellent in the movie. Huh? I'm not just saying this because you're here. I thought you were excellent in the movie. And maybe, uh, I don't know, we might have a little connection trouble. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, can you hear me? So how, how, did, uh -oh. how did you get can the you role? How did it come? Yeah, I can hear you, but I think, uh, I think it's freezing up a little bit here and there. Uh, yeah, you froze for one second. Um, and then I, I have very high winds here, so I might have connection problems throughout the night. Well, we'll we'll rough through whatever we have to rough through. That's all good. Yeah. Um, actually, Lloyd offered me the role because it was originally set for a black man with you know, character. And I had um, talking to him about seeing if I wanted to do this movie. And he was just like, I have to let you know, this is not like your other roles where you just do a cameo. If you're going to do this, there's rehearsals, there's this, there's that. So you have to tell me if you can carve out the time because, you know, I would really like for you to be a part of this. So things happened, I canceled way too excited about, I didn't want this role. And uh, at the time, I mean, Dream was supposed to be in it uh, alongside me and he was supposed to be a, a, one of the main characters, but his schedule was way too grueling to be able to come to all of the rehearsals and cancel like a lot of stuff that he had to cancel. So he ended up not being in the film at all, but, um, I was able to stick it out and it, it was, you know, one of the most um, challenging times that I've had just because there was so much I had to learn. Uh, it was so dialogue heavy, as you know, you, you know, you saw the movie. And again, it was, I've been a main character in quite a few movies, half of which haven't come out yet, but it still wasn't as dialogue heavy as Shakespeare shitstorm was for me. So it was really a blessing. I know people laugh when they hear the title and they, they go, it's a silly movie, but it's, you know, Lloyd is, is a brilliant mind in my humble opinion. And uh, I love, I always love how he puts the films together, how it's always something to think about in the midst of all the craziness and the silliness that there's a real meat of, of things there. And I, I was just really blessed to be a part of this project. I really hope that he called 
pay for something else, uh, like I would drop everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you, your, your character, especially, I thought was uh, um, your character is more serious in the movie than most of the movie. Plus, like you said, um, yeah, most trauma movies on the surface, there's a, a lot of poop jokes and, and uh, stuff like that. But there's a lot of social commentary underneath all that. Absolutely. And yeah, my character was more of like the straight guy, if you will, uh, as opposed to like the really silly, goofy, you know, I was a no nonsense, you know, take no shit out. I'll, I'll punch you, punch your face uh, type, <laughs> type of character. Um, it was, I loved it. I just loved that he saw in me to pull off that level of being tough, but also having um, a level of femininity and to be able to, you know, that character was was kind of multi-layered, you know, but it's because of her history, what she had been through. And even in a silly fashion, you got to see all of those things. Like I said, I was just really um, humbled that he thought of me for that and that it all worked out where I was able to do it. And I, I sing like Hoffman's praises anytime I can just because you know I've, I've always admired him so to be able to continue to work in in trauma is like people saying that they love working in Marvel for me this is my Marvel you know how long have you known Lloyd where did you know him originally um I met him funny thing I mean I I'd already known about him but I met him doing a Scream Queen contest for Fangoria Radio when uh, Debbie Roshan and um, Dee Snyder did Fangoria Radio. radio. Way back when. Mm -hmm. That's when I met him because there was a Scream Queen contest and I was just like, you know, I kind of want to try this out. And my husband was like, "This, you were made for this. You need to do this. You can win this. And then I lost that. I I completely lost. um, but that's when I got job offers from Lloyd and then uh, Debbie Roshan co-signed me. It was like Lloyd and Debbie started my career in indie filmmaking that night. And so even though I lost, I won so much more. Um, I had, you know, the 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 goddess of Scream Kingdom, Debbie basically backing me, like, you know, give this woman an opportunity. I see talent in her. And, you know, Lloyd was Lloyd and was just like, hey, let's do it. And, you know, I I got to, because of them, they opened up the doors for me to be able to do a lot more independent films because I was just doing a lot of extra work in big budget films. And, you know, I was making money and I was starting to make a name for myself, but I've always had a love for independent everything, actually, filmmaking, um, you know, wrestling, all of those things. So they gave me my start. So I met him years, years ago doing that. I, it was 2000. Jeez, I don't even remember. But it was early yeah. when I did that. And are you stayed in contact with Debbie Rashawn since? Well, since the movie, you mean? Because we, we had a lot of scenes together and it mm-hmm. was just so... I've worked with Debbie Roshan many a times uh, and it's always a pleasure. I love to watch her work. I always learn from her. Um, Even when we don't get to see each other, the beautiful worldwide webs will keep us together in ways of, you know, being able to, to talk and to support one another, which I always think so important. And I always say to people because I'm, I promote, I do a lot of promotion. Uh, by the way, yeah, going on. you froze up for a second on me. Sorry if I talked. It's okay. You just froze up for one second too. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I think we're. We probably we happened on and off. I'll show, but yeah. Well, yeah. Just stop me because you, I can ramble on, and uh, no, I don't good. even know that's where good. it froze at. Yeah, no problem. It's <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, Marsha Miller uh, in the chat, she says, I love your hair. It's so beautiful. Uh, thank you. Uh, true story. My eight-year-old, well, she's nine now, but my eight-year-old picked out the colors for my hair. And when we rotate the colors, she'll pick out new colors. And 
asked me to, to braid them in. And so my my baby picks out my colors for my she's my hairstylist. <laughs> well, she did a very good job. Yeah. You talked about uh, promoting, and um, I think the first time we had you on was 2007 or 2008, somewhere around there. And uh, I've, you know, I've noticed the, over the years you really are out there uh, self-promoting. So, uh, is that something you just knew you had to do when you started doing independent films and independent wrestling? Well, I had to. I've always had to promote myself because I never quite fit in anyone's category. I mean, that's just been throughout my life, period. Uh, I'd never fit in a category. When I used to try to do runway modeling, my breasts were too big at the time, even though I was much smaller then, or I wasn't quite tall enough, or I wasn't, I was either not dark enough or or too dark, because I you have to, there's so many different variables when you're dealing with uh, facets of entertainment. And uh, which will tear you down if you're not mentally and emotionally strong enough as well. And it just got to a point where I said, well, you know, if I'm going to get anywhere, I have to be my biggest cheerleader. And aside from my husband, who was, who's actually my biggest cheerleader, uh, I had to start promoting myself, putting myself out there. I would uh, look up things in the paper when, you know, there was paper, when you look in the newspaper and actually see things. Um, I'd always done things like that. I always had little tricks that I would use to uh, promote myself for free um, because then I had no money as well. <laughs> and um, you just learn how to be creative. I'm a creative person, so why not use your creativity to put yourself out there. So I used to go to conventions before I even had a, an independent film under my belt. I had all the extra work that I had done and I would go to these conventions and I would tell people, yes, I'm a screen queen. What made me screen queen? Because I said I was. That, that is absolutely what made, I had the, um, the wherewithal, I wanted to do it. I wanted to really, you know, submerge myself in it. And then I got in my first uh, indie role with um, Darkstone Entertainment, uh, John Johnson. And even though that film has not come out yet, that was the first film that, and I starred in it too. And it's called Aurea. It's um, from the Shadowhunters series. If you follow John's stuff at all, you know, he has a whole Shadowhunters series. And that was uh, Aurea. And I was, like I said, I was the main, I was Aurea. And, and I filmed that in like, I think 2005 or 2006. And that's when I really got my start because people started to notice that I was doing things. And then John started putting in all of his stuff. And I became a, main, a mainstay for Darkstone Entertainment, just like being like a mainstay for Trauma Films. And that was kind of how I started to build myself. Um, but also you, you promote other people who are promoting you. So I went through always promoting Darkstone because he believed in me enough to put me out there and to put me in his projects. And I could have been like crappy, but uh, we, we have a chemistry. And the next thing I know I'm doing, I've done maybe 20 films with uh, Darkstone Entertainment. One of my other favorite uh, film families. Yeah, it was uh, when you talked earlier about not being the right, uh, I guess, shade, either too dark, too light. Um, that's you know obviously not something you know I know much about. I know it was a Spike Lee movie actually about that, but um, you know I think a lot of times people think a uh, race, you know, you're just a, a black person, or but. Can you talk about that? Like uh, you talked a little bit about it, but the idea that you have to be a certain, uh, not even just black or white, but a certain shade. Yeah. I was going to say it even, it supersedes race, especially, um, you know, in, in my situation, depending upon what it is that we're talking about, whether it uh, be modeling or whether it was like, you know, when you're entering into the entertainment business, um, and especially doing working as a scream queen, I know most people would notice that there was never a lot of uh, black women in horror, uh, just like, you know, mainstays. 
And so when I first entered the, the world of, of doing uh, independent filmmaking, especially with horror, it was so hard for me to get noticed in any capacity because I didn't have the look. And the look was mostly, you know, blonde and thin and, you know, so I can't change my, my race, obviously, but uh, it, I had to wait for other people to show that it was okay to hire me and to hire outside of the box. But that was a huge struggle in and of itself. Um, I left modeling because of the whole, you know, where I was trying to go they were pushing, they would push cocaine on you. Well, maybe you want to do some cocaine, you know, you can be smaller. Um, That was a whole thing. I never knew actually existed. I was so naive with so many different things. And, you know, uh, if you want to do this, you're going to have to like get your breasts reduced or you just all kinds of just one person before I interviewed, it was telling me how my ears were unaligned. That, that was when, they looked for perfection. Nowadays, things are a lot more open because, you know, people are becoming more accepting or they're showing more accepting things. They're showing people who are amputees. They're um, showing that vitiligo could be beautiful, like just all of these different things because they're showing that people are people. Not everybody looks the same and are built the same. We're, we're just all individuals. And I love that we are celebrating individuality more nowadays than we ever have. Um, so it's a great time to be for me to me to be alive and to be seeing this but there's still so many um so many things we have to to do to 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 push past uh I am not a fan of um Black History Month I celebrate Black history uh all the time (laughs) mostly because I'm Black but also, you know, I feel like everybody should be celebrated. So I don't pick a time to, to celebrate anybody of any ethnicity or, you know, I celebrate people because I love people, period. Um, so I don't really do the, the Black History Month thing, uh, so to speak. Um, I don't. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it was, it was hard in the beginning. I mean, it's hard now. It's, I almost feel like I'm starting all over again. And when they do like women in horror month and stuff like that, most times I don't even get acknowledged, which I don't, you know, I don't look for that, but that's the question that a lot of my fan base will ask me, well, how come, you know, you're not at this convention for women in horror month or how come you're not doing this? Like you're asking the wrong person. I just hadn't been asked in order to, you know, to, to do things. So I don't, you know, I never complain about it. I just, what you do is you just, you move forward with what you can do and, and you focus on your creativity and you focus on your talent. I don't like to focus on negative things. I like to focus on uh, the positivity. Um, something you just said there is kind of as a theme in, in uh, Shakespeare shitstorm is because like they have the uh, there's like white characters telling telling your character actually uh, what's racist what's racist or not and yeah. you're like oh no it's actually not you know big deal to me yeah <laughs> I I did um, when I read the script I was just kind of like wow this is some of the like it rings true it it really does I mean of course in the movie, it's over-exaggerated because right. that's, you know, that's what we do in trauma films. But um, but it, it rings so true. The other thing that I love that was um, a running joke that at first they were going to go and change, and I said, no, don't change it, is they kept calling me a guy, a man, right. because the role was supposed to be for a man. But the reason why at first, when they noticed that people kept saying it, they were going to go back and redo it, I said, no. And the reason why I said that is because I get accused of being a man uh, more often than not. 
Although I have no idea how I gave birth to so say, yeah, many kids you, mother, out mother of ten, but yeah. male genitalia. <laughs> but um, it's so ridiculous. It's not even funny. It's because I've been told that it's because I don't have a black woman's hips. I've been told it's because my voice is too deep. Um, I've been told so many different things. So this is this goes into the vein of people expect a certain thing or expect you to be a certain way. And I have no idea. I said, I, I had no idea that every black woman in the world had like a certain type of hip, had no clue. And, and I've been black all my life, but <laughs> apparently this was a thing. So I'm apparently a guy and um, I get it. So you wouldn't, you would be so surprised at how many times people are like, that's a dude. And I'm like, oh my, okay. So I wanted them to leave that in because I get so much in real life that I thought it was funny to kind of have it mock. I noticed they even had the Caliban only uh, bathroom uh, that you came out of in one of the scenes. You know. Uh oh. You still with us? Back to power. Yeah. Yes. Again, there was a lot of re- did I freeze? Uh, yeah, a little bit, can but I think we me? can hear you. We can hear you. We can see a, a frozen uh, a figure of you. Oh. <laughs> Do not. Sorry. Be <laughs> out of this. Well, thanks can you everyone. Hear me okay? yeah, I, yeah, we can hear you. Oh. Ho- hopefully, this works. Okay. Um, if not, we'll, we'll do it again. Okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm back. All right. Uh, uh, Trista, I don't want to take all the questions. Do you have a question? Sure. Are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. All right. Oh, okay. Um, I'm wondering besides uh, the art of self promotion do you have any other tips for aspiring scream queens uh, be diligent um you have to have uh mentality that's the business period because it's really hard and uh can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, it's on and off. <laughs> no, it it a phone call and I declined it. Oh, that's I why see. that's why that just happened. Um, but yeah, you you have to be this business is hard. And if you don't have a tough exterior, if you can't take um criticism, and I don't even mean necessarily constructive criticism all the time, people will criticize you. I mean, look at Look at celebrities and look at how everybody has an opinion about their lives, you know, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. You know, I feel like it's it's as bad on a lower level because it's so intimate. You know, people have more access to you than, you know, people that are like a high level celebrity. And sometimes it it will depress you. You have to be able to. forward um, no matter what and kind of put the the emotional blinders on when you're trying to move forward you also have to understand your own comfortabilities with things because people will ask you or try to not so gently nudge you into doing things that you are doing going well every okay that is that person if your ideals are different and don't be made to be forced into doing something that you're going to regret later because someone told you some other big name did it before and, and look at them now, you know, we're not all built the same. So you have to, you have to know where your lines are and what you're not willing to cross no matter what. That's something that encountered early on and something that I also encountered having uh, a celebrity at some point in time 
uh, offer to put me on something pretty big and, I, you know, gave him a blowjob. And I, needless to say, I never worked with this person. And I just said, no, I mean, I didn't go me too thing or anything like that. I just, you know, I said, no, I, I guess I'll just be over here in my corner, not making money. Uh, <laughs> because this is not what I'm willing to do. If it's what somebody is willing to do and that's them, that's, that's their comfortability. But I don't have to do it because he said somebody else did it. Okay, they did that and that's cool. But you also have to, you have to be okay with yourself and your own decisions. For a while, I actually was like, damn, I'm not getting any work. I wonder if I was blacklisted. I wonder if, you know, I, you go through all of these things, but I stayed steadfast and believe in, in, in my decision. So just make sure you um, keep your head about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Especially for, for women, it, it gets so hard um, in this business. And if you, you know, you don't talk to people, sometimes we're not close enough with one another because we feel like we're a competition. So we won't help one another, but that's why. I always, I always tell people, you can come, you know, ask me anything. If I can answer it, I will. I didn't have that uh, with the exception of when I was able to start talking to Debbie Roshan, you know, I could go to her and ask her anything. And she would just always end up, you know, absolutely or no, you know, or, you know, the advice that I'm kind of given now is a lot of the stuff that she told me as well. So I was blessed to have you know, Debbie at some point in time to guide me, which is why I, I, I try to pay it forward. Uh, Gloomy Sunday Productions in the chat uh, wants to know what draws Monique to a role or project? Uh, it depends. If it's something that I've never done before, uh, something that's challenging, somebody that I've always wanted to work with sometimes, will initially draw me um, because I've, you know, I've done that before and then ended up just having like the whole experience was just great. So it just depends. It depends on uh, what it is right now. I've been really drawn to uh, comedy based things. Like that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to be able to be silly or, um, you know, goofy. I've always loved comedy. Um, I grew up loving like Lucille Ball and um, Carol Burnett and, you know, people like that. So I'm, I've been looking for stuff like that in action as of lately, but it just depends. I have to, when someone sends me a character, if I don't really vibe with it that much after I ask a couple of questions, I, I just can't do it. <laughs> you know, in the beginning though, in the very beginning, I was just doing anything I could do because I was I was trying to get my name out there. And I thought it was the right thing to do until I started realizing that I have to kind of be more selective with my energy. Where do I want to put my energy? So uh, that's when I started really looking through uh, stuff to see what it is that I wanted to do. I still haven't been able to play uh, a serial killer yet. Um, usually I do, I have played a mass murderer or like a monster that goes around killing, but I'm talking about like a, a Hannibal type kind of cerebral, you know, type of person. So even though he's not a serial, <laughs> I don't know what he is. He's just a killer, uh, <laughs> but, uh, something, something of that sort, um, that's kind of mental, um, I would love to play as well. Well, if any uh, independent filmmakers out there uh, uh, watching, and they, and they need a serial killer, we got a we've got one right here. And I I'm always willing to train. It's one of the things that I do. I've actually gained weight for a, a short film before, and of course I've lost weight for a film. I like to if you envision something. Uh, or, you know, the character a certain way and I can pull it off. I mean, I am 47, so 
when I'm gaining weight, it's a little bit harder to lose that weight, especially since I don't have like chefs and cooks and, all, you know, I do all of this myself by myself. So it gets a little bit harder, but it's still something that I'm very much willing to do. I just want to portray a character the way uh, she should portray you look great, by the way. Not that 47's old. I turned 46 this Saturday, but uh, you look great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that because it's been a rough couple of days. So I was like, oh, I have the rough face, but that's all right. I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when did the wrestling come about? Were you always a wrestling fan? Yes. Since I'm nine years old, uh, I've been a wrestling fan. And uh, my daughter always wanted to be a wrestler, my oldest daughter. And we started going to shows together. Uh, when, back when Impact was TNA, we would go to TNA house shows and we would go to uh, WWE's house shows because they were always cheaper than the televised shows, but also you can meet people yeah. there like they did the meet and greet. So we started going and doing the meet and greets and we started becoming known as the resident troublemakers because all of the guys would come and flirt with us. And we were just so naive. It was like, hey, you know, this is so cute. And then, you know, go, you know, go back home or whatever. So we started doing WrestleManias. So one year uh, in ATL, I think it was, um, it was 2011, we did a, uh, a bagels, like a, a, a brunch type of thing. And Bruno San Martino was the guest speaker. Oh, wow. And that's when we met Lita, Christy Hemi. Uh, well, we had met her plenty of times, but we had met Lita for the first time, uh, Bruno San Martino and Tommy Dreamer. And in befriending uh, Tommy, you know, he had like this awesome personality and we connected with him and I connected with him uh, as friends and we started talking on Twitter and he was just like, Hey, I'm putting together, um, my own, my own promotion. I mean, I had been going to, he had invited me to shows. Don West used to invite me to like a lot of the TNA Gem shows. 10. And then yeah. Dream started, huh? Gemmin 10. He, always, yeah. he, used to, he used to sell the baseball cards and would always yell. Yes. Jim and Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Don West could sell anything, mm -hmm. um, actually. Uh, but then Dreamer started inviting uh, us to the shows. And then he started inviting me to like impact uh, wrestling TNA shows. And then he finally told me, hey, I'm getting ready to come out with my own promotion. And I would love if you and your family would come to the first show and see what you think about it. I was pregnant at the time with my 10th child. So um, I went, my husband and Monet, and he that's when he introduced us to Edge and everybody. And so he was like, well, what do you think? So I, I gave him my, you know, my thoughts and what I thought about everything. And by the second show, he was like, well, hey, I know you always wanted to be a part of this. Would you like to work the show? And I was like, would I like to what? <laughs> and he was like, you know, go out as a, a valet uh, with one of my guys. So by the second show in Poughkeepsie in 2013, I went out there and my first time out there was with Sam and Blue Meanie and Gwee. And if anybody's a wrestling fan, you know that those are Okay. <laughs> now, that was, I felt a rush for, for with, and I would, dude, I love this and I need this in my life. And he was like, I have to train you, you have to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, <laughs> man, just so 2013 was the start of my career. Uh, by 2014, I was coming out with my daughter and we became the Double Duprees, the Double Duprees, which is a name that Dreamer gave us. Um, by 2015, I was helping him with producing the shows, working behind the scenes and working in front of the camera and working with the talent. Uh, and then it just went on from there. And I've done most every job you can do from Working, I would work, 
you know, the front will call and taking tickets. And then I would run out and I would make sure all the wrestlers were okay. And then I run out and find out what my spot was going to be. And when I went up, went up and I would, I was doing everything. Everybody saw me as like the crazy lady that ran around, especially the shows in Philly, which, you know, that's the heart and soul of ECW where, where that was hosted uh, all the time. So that was my start was Tommy Dreamer. And I mean, to this day, we're really good friends and we just, just, I don't know, we, we meshed really well together with, and I'm, since COVID took out House of Hardcore, I mean, we haven't done a show since, since COVID really hit. So I'm hoping and praying that uh, my boss will bring House of Hardcore back because I miss it terribly but uh but yeah that's that was that was kind of how my start it was a whole fluke but who knew that it was something it was a dream of mine but I didn't know that I I would actually be able to fulfill it and then impact used me a couple of times where I went out with I did spots before and some spots with Madison just know I've been blessed. I've been blessed, man. I love wrestling. Uh, Trish, do you have a question? Um, do you have a uh, favorite horror film? Uh, one that's my favorite or, or favorite that I've been in? I mean, either one. Well, my I have... My favorites fluctuate, um, and this is outside of, you know, me being in a film. My favorites have always fluctuated, but what's stayed common has always been, like, The Fog and Christine. I love the odd things, like, you know, a, a car being, you know, possessed. Like, the car is the killer, and it's like, who does that? That was one of my favorites. Uh, of course, Candyman uh, later on. I mean, for obvious reasons, but it's it's amazing. It's an amazing film. Um, there's there, it just it depends. From Dust Till Dawn was added to one of my top list because it blew my mind when first seeing it that I thought it was just a movie about these two psychos who are just like killing everybody in their wake, and then like the last part of the movie you jump into a vampire film and it's like, it just blew my mind. Um, Something like that hadn't been done. So that's like another favorite, Um, definitely like a nightmare on Elm street. The, you know, the first one for me is always the first, I mean, there's, you know, there's trilogies and that, you know, that are good, but for me, it's always the first, first installment of something that tells me, you know, whether I, I love it or not. And, and Nightmare on Elm Street was also another amazing film. I'm, I'm losing the ones that I started developing later on because these are my common places, like the ones that I just love right off the bat. The, the Fog being one of my favorites. The original Fog mm-hmm. being one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Marsha Miller wants to know, uh, who are some of your inspirations? uh in life or in film i'm sorry i'm all i know that no it's good to get a i would assume she meant in film but uh it would be good to get uh both uh well and it's not just horror films but one of my biggest inspirations has always been pam greer uh hands down and i think i kind of wanted to be like her without knowing that I wanted to be like her, you know, um, all of the exploitation films kind of, you know, Brian Housey, I've, I've, she's definitely been a constant inspiration. Um, Debbie Roshan, Debbie Roshan was in, uh, an inspiration before I even got to do, uh, films. Definitely, um, my girl, Jamie Lee Curtis, 
uh, has been an inspiration and, and is more and more of an inspiration as time goes on. Uh, I have two more. Um, Anthony Hopkins has been a huge inspiration to me. And when I got to, I don't know, when I, I got to meet him at this, this show, uh, I think it was the Chainsaw Awards. I can't even remember what it was uh, a long time ago. And I just word by, I don't know, there's just something about him. And I was just like, I want to be that when I grow up, like the, the embodiment of, of Anthony Hopkins. Uh, and Viola Davis is also another one of my um, my absolute favorite actresses, you know, out there right now. Um, so I have, I have quite a few, but I have a lot for for various reasons. So I will, I'll have an inspiration for this reason and one for that reason. But I didn't give the reasons. I just gave the names. <laughs> And uh, Mike Stack loves your background. He actually says he loves all three backgrounds. Oh, thank you. This is actually a backdrop in one of my rooms because I was doing a Valentine's Day shoot for my daughter who is expecting a baby any day now. And uh, I had the balloons came from her baby shower. So I just left everything here and, and sat in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said, you know, House of Hardcore, uh, Hopefully we'll come back, you know, but it was, uh, hasn't had a show since COVID. Um, are you working on anything currently, uh, film wise? Uh, I just, well, I was supposed to do a film called an American masquerade that fell through because of COVID and, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, wonders never cease. I, I got called back to do it. So I'm really blessed for that. Um, I'm working on a couple of projects with um, Darkstone Entertainment. I just don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. So just know I am working on a, a couple of films with them. I've been doing, I've been traveling for behind the scenes wrestling. Like I've been doing um, a lot of stuff behind the scenes and there I was supposed to be in New Orleans, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> because, uh, my daughter is expecting at any point in time and I'm, I'm kind of trying not to fly far away right. before March the 10th, but if I have to, you know, I will. Um, so right now I've just been doing a lot of behind the scenes wrestling, um, working with Tommy Dreamer with his podcast, the House of Hardcore podcast, because that's still that's still going. Mm -hmm. And I do all of the promotion and uh, work for that. But yes, I am starting to travel for film again. I was very afraid to. So I was getting offers. I mean, last year was probably 21. I filmed I wrecked my own scenes for myself and, and, you know, set everything up. So obviously those were cameos, but there's some films that are starting to come out. And then I started working on films like last year and uh, one earlier this year. So it's coming back and I'm, I'm feeling a little more comfortable with, with actually going out now, especially since people are doing COVID testing and, you know, all of that stuff. When, when we started first hitting this and I was doing films, people were going, well, you know, uh, everybody here is cool, you know, so you don't have to worry about COVID. And I was like, you know, I don't doubt that. It's just that cool doesn't mean you can't have COVID. And then I bring it back to my family and I have 10 children. I had to be very, very careful. So I, I went through a lot of time where I wasn't traveling for work, but I'm, I'm going to be traveling in the next couple of months to, to do some, some work, but I'm really happy about an American masquerade because I was supposed to do that before. And now it, it picked up again. And I think I shoot that in April. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I have other projects on the table that I have haven't um accepted or you know declined yet that i'm just i'm kind of 
looking at to see I want to do and when I'm also trying to see how it could fit into wrestling because I really am ready into wrestling on the front end of things. So I'm trying to figure all of that out because before I had a home with House of Hardcore, but there's House of Hardcore right now. So it's like I'm without a home. Uh, Trista, you have another question? What would you say the best and worst parts of independent film are for you? Uh, well, the worst parts would be just, I would probably say the, the, the travel, the, it gets a little uncomfortable because, you know, of course there isn't, um, you know, um, enough money. And so sometimes it's just like, you know, guerrilla filmmaking is that guerrilla traveling and that, you know, everything takes, you know, longer you may have to a hotel suspect a little bit, but I feel like the best part is that it's independent as well because without having money to just throw at things oftentimes, you have to rely on your creativity as a group. You know, the director, the, everybody who's in the rely heavily on your creativity and thinking outside the box in order to make your project look and feel the best that it can. So while doing an independent movie can try independent movie because you money throw at things you can go oh well i have to see i can cgi this or i can do this that or the other but what happens when all you have is like blood and you have to use somebody's acting ability and you you know you just have to use things that you otherwise wouldn't use to try to make something look and sound as realistic as possible you know on a like a 20 dollar <laughs> you know you got 20 dollars yeah. so i love because it forces us all to pull that creativity out. And I, I've seen people absolutely shine on a set of uh, an indie film. And I love that. I, I thrive off of that. Um, where could, I think people could just put you into Google and they'll find you. But where could people follow you if they want to see what you're up to? Well, I will tell you, for in the meantime... Please do not follow my verified um, Instagram as it was hacked four oh. months ago. Um, and I, I haven't been able to get it back yet. Instagram hasn't hit me back yet. And so at 50,000 followers and verified, I pretty much lost that page, but they're still trying to hack other people through that page. So do not go to that page. My, my actual Instagram now is Monique Gata Dupree. So uh, if you Google my name, you'll see the one Instagram first, but right now I'm not verified until I can figure out that mess, but I'm verified everywhere else uh, on Twitter, the original Gata and um, on Facebook, which I hit a million followers on Facebook and I was, uh, I was floored. Okay. Yeah, I, sorry. I got disconnected. Uh, I I, <laughs> I have very bad weather here. I think that's the problem. It's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, they can pretty much uh Google. But my Facebook is the True Original Gata, and um, I'm I'm on my social media a lot. I interact a lot as much as I can. I can't always hit everybody's messages, but I do see like if you comment something on Facebook itself or on Instagram itself, I can see that. But as far as like, when you talk about DMs and stuff like that, there's so many of those that I don't, I don't get around to everything all the time, yeah. but uh, I love to interact and talk with people. So you can hit me up anytime. Very cool. 
Well, it's very nice to talk to you again. And we'll, when we do this again uh, next time, hopefully uh, we'll, there won't be any freezing. That's, hey, listen, you have to deal with what you're, what you're given. And that's exactly what we did. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. But we appreciate you coming back on. It's been very good, cool to catch up with you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to have been here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. And uh, Shakespeare Shitstorm is uh, coming out next month, I believe. So uh, be on the outlook for uh, for how you can see it. Yeah, please do. Please do. And let me know your thoughts. I want to know. Very good. All right. We'll see you soon. And thanks, everyone, for watching. Bye. Bye.